Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Believe in Hornets podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam. My co-host, Muggsy Bogues, is with me. Muggsy, how are you? I'm good. How's it going, Sam? It's going pretty well. Going pretty well. Happy belated birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. That's why I had to make sure I put the, the toast up because we got to start <laughs> off with a little glass of red. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And to go along with it, we have some some fun basketball to talk about. Uh, it's a nice little birthday present, if I do say so myself. Absolutely. I mean, anytime the Hornets are doing well, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, we're above 500. Um, it's incredible. Uh, six seed in the East right now. Things are looking looking really nice. We're on a, Hornets are on a four-game win streak um, after, uh, I think, objectively a rocky start going over mm-hmm. two and then rebounding with two big victories against two big teams and to like just go into new orleans in general on espn ball versus ball to get a win in that situation come back we'll get in we'll get into all that later absolutely, later absolutely that so we're gonna cover that in this this episode we're gonna talk about Lamelo's triple double the youngest ever and then we'll, we'll we'll get into some unpleasant stuff with the new covid regulations the nba put out uh, today, as we're recording, uh, some of the Kyrie Irving stuff um, mm-hmm. uh, that will develop, I'm sure, throughout the week. But I would love to. We we have to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, and then we'll close out with some some more fun stuff. We're talking about uh, Muggsy Bogues's uh, appearance on Kirby Enthusiasm oh, uh, back in the oh, day. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> right man for the part. Right man for the part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> Cool. So um, right now, Charlotte Hornets sitting at six and five, I believe, on the season. Um, yeah. Since we last talked, they um, they did kind of a madness, if I do say so myself. Uh, they beat the Hawks, beat the Pelicans, beat the Hawks again, and then beat the Knicks. So I I kind of want to skip ahead to the Pelicans game. If all, <laughs> all things like, but that Hawks game is where we saw the defense shine. So maybe we should get, like. Uh, give credit where credit's due. The Hornets held the, the Hawks to 40 points in a half. Like, that is huge. It is It is huge. I mean, that's going to show that these guys are buying it. They're really buying it with JB, uh, Coach uh, JB's uh, philosophy. And uh, they understand that it starts defense uh, first, and then we run in transition, hopefully get easy baskets. And the guys seem like they're having fun. That's what I'm loving about it. They're exciting. Um, they're kind of feeding off of one another. And they're having fun out there playing the game of basketball. And that always translates to wins. Yeah. And um, like I, I went to that game fully expecting Trey Young just to go nuts. And in both those games, because we had Hawks, Pelicans, and then Hawks again with like a, with no day's rest, basically. They left New Orleans, came to Charlotte to play the Hawks again. I thought surely we'd see Trey Young, like be Trey Young. And the Hornets shut him down. Like he had, a, he had they did a great job uh, defending Trey Young. So, Salute, big salute, big salute to the uh, the coaching staff, the players for yeah, getting that yeah, accomplished. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Graham and T. Rozier and Melo, they stepped up. And, uh, I mean, he was struggling there behind that arc. I mean, he was 0 for 5 uh, behind the arc and it just couldn't find that ball to go in uh, for himself. But, again, the guys are uh, kind of causing problems for a guy like Trey, uh, especially Melo being his height and so forth. But, you know, Trey, he has off nights. You know, this he's a – one of them prolific type of scorer. So, you know, he quite sure that one day or down the road, he want to see the Hornets again. But I'm grateful and happy that 
the Hornets went in there, took care of business, you know, after coming back from um, New Orleans. You know, that was a, a, a long road trip, a tough road trip. But, you know, especially mentally and, you know, speaking about Melo and, and going against his brother, you know, yeah. and then coming out on top, you know, that's always a, a big bragging right in the household. Um, and he almost had a triple-double in that game. Yeah. You know, one uh, assist shot away from him. So he's really gaining confidence every time you step on the court. And I'm quite sure that the uh, coaching staff and everybody in the organization are really pleased about his play so far. Oh, most definitely. Um, that Pelicans game, you know, national spotlight, which is great for the entire organization to get that that love nationally. Um, but Melo, yeah, going against his brother. And to his credit, you know, he came out the game with like 323 with left in the fourth quarter, something like that, with one assist shy. And Bray yeah. was doing an offensive-defensive thing with him. Well, I think he was seeing Melo chasing that triple-double. <laughs> And, uh, and they was trying to get that win. And I know he wanted to kind of make sure that he understood, look, win is more important than these stats right now. And so let me bring, on, bring him out here and let him understand that, hey, you did what you're supposed to do. You know, opportunity will come again. And luckily it came again the next game against the line. Yeah, there was a point there towards the end of the game where Terry had an open three. Right, after right. Lamelo passed, and he passed it to Devonte. Um, <laughs> and my my live chat was going nuts when that happened. They're like Trey Terry, <laughs> cut him all the stuff. He hates Lamelo. I assume everyone was kidding. I hope you're kidding, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed absolutely. that. And to and to for Melo's credit, when he came out and he wasn't involved, uh, he was doing his best to be involved from the bench. Like he was locked in, dead balls. He was on his feet, clapping, cheering on his teammates. Like I love that from him. And then after the game, when he didn't get the triple double. Still smile on his face, got a big dub. They came back from 18 points at one point. Like that was a huge statement win for the for the team in a big stage. So like I loved everything about that game. I wish it like I wish they didn't have to come back from an 18 point deficit. <laughs> yeah. Ideally. But I mean, I mean, you just gotta we, we I know we talked about Melo. The kid is really just uh, I mean, he's enjoying the game, he's having fun. This is what he's been uh born to do. He's been playing basketball since he was a kid and he's been dreaming about this opportunity you know, going overseas and, and, and becoming a pro and having that experience and now coming back. And, and also he seemed like he's coachable, you know, and he's not only coachable, but he's also feeding off of his vets and listening. He taking that advice and you can see him engaged in every aspect of the game when he's on the floor, or when he's off the floor. Uh, he never loses sight of what's going on uh, with the game. He's always in tune with what's happening. And, uh, and I'm liking what coaching staff is doing with him right now. You know, he, I know a lot of people are like, well, why is he not starting? Why is he not starting? You know, sometimes starting ain't the best thing for a young player, you know, throwing out there with the Wolves. I think they green him along slowly, nicely. And eventually he's going to be, you know, in that starting lineup. But right now I think the way they're managing it and, uh, and the way him and Devontae Graham and T. Rojo are handling it, I mean, it's beautiful to watch. Most definitely. And – you mentioned his age, and it didn't really click. You, hear, you could hear 19, but for perspective on it, when he did get the triple-double and, and the, the record of being the youngest player to ever do it, he did it by 177 days. Like, he is very young, and he's going to have a long career ahead of him. So, yeah, it's going to take some time to get him prepared for the game. Like, it's it's all part of the plan, and uh, yeah. it, and his time will come. That, and the last player that uh, had that triple-double was Marquise Foles. Yeah, which so, prayers to him. Like, I yes, feel so bad yeah, for Michael Foles, I felt bad for him, too. He's such a great kid, and uh, prayers are with him. I hope he uh, recovers very soon. Yeah, um, 
such like just snake bitten the poor like yeah i'm confident he's been through so much i hope he can bounce back yeah he's a tough kid he will he mm-hmm. will you know um but the prayers are definitely with him yeah no, most definitely um but with Lamelo, he got 22 points 12 boards 11 assists um after the game borrego says uh he's like talking about Lamelo, calls him a 19 year old rookie or says a 19 year old rookie does not look like this yeah. this is rare what you're seeing so yeah it's it's very special, and as Hornets fans, I, I hope everyone feels fortunate to be witnessing this. And if, for basketball fans, I see it online, people talking about, I never expected to be watching this much Hornets basketball. Like non-Hornets fans are checking us out. They're 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 right. peeping what we're well, doing over here. They going where the excitement is at. Yeah. You know, and Mallow is that now must see TV. You know that the buzz is there, and you know, and it's in a different perspective you know normally it's about his dad and and other is Lonzo but it's it's all about Melo um his, his production on the court and um he had no hiccups um in terms of you know and probably so because of you know the pandemic you can't engage with uh, people right now but I mean he's done everything the right way came in uh very acceptive uh re- very receptive I should say and, and, and wanted to understand what the organization was about um and you see some of the good things that he did the other day you know he witnessed what he did with his moms and going back and having that reunion i mean they're just a, a great family um they're just he's such a great human being i i, I hope when all this stuff all said and done that we get opportunity to really uh meet each other yeah no that'd be that'd be that'd be great that'd be really yeah. great to hear about i would love to uh to hear about and 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 learn what you have to say to Lamella Ball because I think you have a lot of knowledge to embark on him, especially about about the the league in general and then Charlotte in general. Like you know these fan this fan base. I think Lamella's doing a great job of endearing himself to the fan base already. But um, like you're Muggsy Bugs, like <laughs> you have you have a lot to teach. So um, I, I think that'd be great for him and the franchise as a whole. Um, no, they're gonna love him. They they really gonna they're gonna just gravitate towards his he you know his affectionate smile. I mean, he really enjoys playing the game of basketball. You can see the passion every time he's out there on the court and when he's off the court. I mean, again, um, it's just good that and I'm great to be around to see that the Hornets was able to fortunately get a player like that. And with and with Haywood uh, production and what he's doing out there. I mean, he is playing lights out basketball and he's allowing the Mellows as well as the PJ Washington and, and uh, Miles Bridges, those guys to grow. And Devontae Graham, uh, he's really stepping up that leadership role. And I think the guys are really following his leadership. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Gordon Hayward because he saw a career high of 44 points against the mm-hmm. first game or in the first game against the Hawks. Yeah. So, you know, he's 30 years old, $30 million a year for four years. And he seems to be having his best year right now, which is great to see. For anyone concerned about his contract, he's concerned about his injury history, anything like that, Gordon Hayward is delivering right now. And one of the main factors in our success, um, I think him and Terry Rozier especially are carrying it for the Hornets with other players, of course, getting involved and showing out when they have the opportunity. Like at one point, wait, well, PJ had six blocks or something like that against the Pelicans. Like it when you have like the rocks of the team performing like this and you have guys like Devonte, pj uh the martin twins making it like having their spikes in performances it really 
it's what we need. Like that injection is really fun and dynamic. You don't know who's going to give it up each night. And uh, it's really fun, really fun. I hope it makes it difficult to game plan against so we can keep this keep this fun going here in the season. Yeah. And, those, and those guys, they don't care who scores, uh, but they know who's uh, the leader, who's the first option in scoring. And and, and, and you mentioned Terry Rozier and, and Gordon Haywood. I mean, they just got a great connection, mm-hmm. you know, playing together in Boston. I'm quite sure that it helps. But they are veterans, and they leading the way, and the other guys are, are, are following, you know, their lead. And uh, it becomes affectionate. You know, these guys are really enjoy playing with each other. Uh, and then Melo come in, and he up-tempos the, uh, the offense to get everybody excited. I mean, throws the ball ahead. Gordon Haywoods get to his spots. P.J. steps out here to jump. And Miles come in with the, you know, the excitement slam, dumps the alley-oops, and Biz. Give credit to Biz Mac Biombo, mm-hmm. who's been able to – Thus far, hold it down to a, to a degree um, around the basket, uh, getting easy baskets and, and being at the right places. I mean, right to spot at the right time when these guys penetrate. And uh, and he's doing a great job of, of, of keeping it, you know, respectably, I should say, uh, in the paint. And um, but it's just been exciting watching these guys and T. Rogier. You know, he always been a type of player that you want to. Let's see, go, get going. And he seemed like he's coming out the gates and knowing what he needs to do for this team to keep them competitive, to keep them respective, you know, even though it's early. But I like the way the start is thus far with these 11 games. Oh, for sure. And then, like, up next, we're looking at the Mavericks, which it seems as of, like, Tuesday evening, uh, they have mm-hmm. 12 players available to play, and they're traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the game's, the game's in Charlotte. Yeah, they're traveling to Charlotte. It's in Charlotte. To uh to take on the Hornets, Which so that game is on. But, a rematch game. Yes, yeah. So they yeah they may be out for some revenge <laughs> after, <laughs> after what we did to them in Dallas. Um, yeah. But there's been a few games. I think three games have been postponed because of COVID. Um, it's very much um, something the league is addressing uh, right now yeah. that needs to be addressed. Uh, different protocols are in place now. Uh, some of the I guess for lack of better term, highlights include uh, shoot-around time. Uh, on mm-hmm. game day, players are prohibited from arriving in the arena for more than, um, no more than three hours before tip-off. And then during pre- and post-game periods, players must limit interactions to elbow or fist bumps, avoid extending social, ex- and extended socializing and maintain six feet of distance as much as possible. That's the one I'm like most curious to get your opinion on. Like, how does that, that, that three hour before tip-off time frame like how does that affect a, a player's routine a and then how difficult would it be um during a game to like break out of the habit of high-fiving after free throws and over the course of a game like do you expect players to be actually be elbowing guys just to the app well i mean you know one thing about players you know they know they they know how to adjust mm-hmm. and uh and they become an adjusting period and you know, the high fives and the elbows, I mean, that's something that you can easily adjust. But the three hour, which you alluded to, you know, that can kind of screw you up, especially if you have some kind of ritual or some kind of, you know, routine that you like to do. But more so, I, I don't think it's going to bother these guys as much. I mean, they're just going to follow the protocol because NBA, for fun, uh, Adam Silver and them, they're not playing with this. They're trying to make sure that they keep everybody safe, the players, the coaching staff, who all that's involved with these players and and the players got to do their job and making sure that you know they follow the protocols and i know that 
we've seen some stuff that over you know over the internet. I mean, over the the news cycle with Kyrie Irving, yeah, uh, visiting his family and so forth. And that could be a tough situation when you know you with your loved ones, and uh, and then all of a sudden it wind up in a public place where you're not following the protocols which everybody set up with the mask and the social distancing and so forth. So, but you know, again, he's with his loved ones and uh, he felt like, I'm quite sure he felt like he was, you know, safe enough to be around them without it. Uh, but outside looking in, other folks saying that, you know, we haven't been around those people and probably, you know, it was not the smartest thing to do in order to let us see that visual, you know, perspective of what was going on. Yeah, and it's it's out of the nets and out of Kyrie's hands right now as far as when he can return. Um, I think it, it's a league decision at this point as they assess the videos and I assume interview him and talk to him about everything he's done. Um, because like you said, like every, in order to make this work, everyone has to make sacrifices. And that's part of this um, these, uh, these additional measures that came out today. Um, they, and it, it's not a unilateral thing like the NBA – and the Players Association came to terms on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other things include uh, over the next two weeks, some limited outside of team environment restrictions, uh, meetings, all meetings must require face masks, things like that. Team flights kind of replicating this, the, the bench pattern. So you're not around to limit the, the variety of people you're around. So it really seems like they've spent a lot of time thinking about this. But the hope is that everyone can stay safe, obviously. And that's number one. And then number two is that we don't lose a season again. Uh, so hopefully this works and we don't lose any more games and games are postponed. And more importantly, players aren't putting themselves or fans of cities that have fans um, in the building at risk. Yeah, they, they don't want this thing to continue to be a consistent. They know it's going to happen during the course of the season. You know, That's why they want to make sure they continue to do the contract tracing and make sure that they keep an eye on who's – what, who's been exposed. And um, so, you know, they can have enough players to suit up and uh, and that's the only way you're going to be able to, you know, control it. Yeah. Adam Silva and his, you know, the league, I'm quite sure they got their pulse and their hands on how they continue to move forward with this. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in the uh, in the NBA yeah. to get this right. Um, no shots at any other North American sports organizations, <laughs> but the NBA usually does things Right. And if they don't, they're pretty quick to admit it and, and change it, which I respect. Well, they've been the leader of, you know, of pretty many you know, major sports and a lot of issues. So, um, you know, I don't have no qualms of saying that, you know, NBA is always at the forefront uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, issues that need to be addressed with the socially or I mean, inclusiveness or uh, with this pandemic, with the players, you know, thoughts and and their concerns so they're always out there making sure that they do what's best for their product and their brand almost definitely so um for the hornets we have the mavericks wednesday and then back-to-back games um not back-to-back nights but just two games in a row with the toronto raptors who seem to be struggling a little bit um i will no longer assume any wins for the hornets after assuming we'd beat the cavaliers and the thunder and the grizzlies <laughs> i'm done with that this season <laughs> so um prediction in um in general, what do you hope to see from the Hornets in these next few games? Um, hosting the Mavericks, and then I guess going to Tampa Bay, right, to play the Raptors um, yes. in two games. So uh, is there anything you want to look out for, anything you, you want to see? 
But hopefully it's similar to what we've been watching these last four games, sharing the basketball. You know, guys are really sharing and feeding off one another, coming in uh, both on both ends of the floor. Uh, and that's what you got to have. You got to have a unit being able to, you know, address these teams because you're going to now start to see teams who continue to scout and start to understand that, okay, you guys are doing some good things and, you know, you've been successful. So we're going to try to take some of them things away from you and bring your best punch. And you play, they face a team like Dallas, you know, again, they're going to want revenge considering what happened up there. And I think poor Zingas may be with them um, coming in. I, I'm not quite sure, but I think he was coming back. But, uh, and that's going to be a challenge too uh, with uh, Luca, you know, playing lights out basketball these last several games here. Uh, and other guys, you know, Trey Burks had a big game the other night. So these guys are not starting to feel themselves. And Rick Carlisle is a great coach. He always had those guys up to par. So uh, I'm looking forward to a good game and hopefully that the Hornets can continue this winning streak and uh, and then get ready for the Memphis game. You know, it'll be a tough game up there with, with those guys. And they we owe them anyway, yes. you know, when they came in our place and got us. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how well they respond to that. Most definitely. Um, I'm very excited to see how far and – but get a better idea of what this team is. Like we've seen the lows, seen the highs. Like what what does the middle look like? And um, who doesn't like a winning streak? You know, like it's, it's a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah Got to keep the good energy going. You know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. So speaking of good energy, this is something I've been dying to talk to you about since I got the call about this doing this podcast. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is Kirby Enthusiasm. <laughs> And my co-host here had a very special appearance on that TV show. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know if we should get into the content of the show or not right, of that, right, of right, that right, episode. Right, right. We'll keep it clean. We'll keep it clean. <laughs> yeah. But I'm curious about um, for, for for people who aren't, who aren't aware about Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It's not a scripted show. Like it's from Larry yeah. David, the creator of Seinfeld. He comes up with an outline, and then the actors kind of fill in the blanks. They know yeah, what, yeah. where you want to go. So when you got the call, were you aware of the show? Were you excited to get to be on the show? And then tell me about the day of the shoot, basically. <laughs> uh, uh, believe it or not, I was not aware of Kirby Enthusiasm. I was actually home in Baltimore at my mom's house when I got the call because my mom wasn't doing well. And I got the call and my agent up told me that, you know, Larry David is on the phone and they want to see if you want to, interested in doing this show called Kirby Enthusiasm. Like, Kirby Enthusiasm, what is that? But I knew him of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, Kirby Enthusiasm? He's like, oh, it's a funny show, Muzz. And and he got on the phone. I was speaking to Mr. Dave, and he was talking to me. You know, we got this this, this, this plot where, you know, we want you to come in and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We want you to play it and follow this out there. So I'm like, hmm, that would be pretty interesting. So um, and I asked my mom, and I'm, you know, should I go, you know? And then she was like, yeah, go ahead. And, Go do it. And I went out there and boy, did I have such a great time. You know, Richard Lewis and Larry David are the two funniest human beings on the planet. And I had a, a close front seat, you know, opportunity to listen to those guys, you know, just talking naturally, but it's always in a joking manner. And, uh, and I had such a ball, man. And uh, on the set, I call, you know, just doing my scene. And then I guess what I was doing, and then Richard Lewis, like, 
you're going to do it again? You want to do some more? You're going to say something else? And I'm like, well, what else would you want me to say? <laughs> you know, but they were just so funny, man, when I was standing, especially staring at the urinal. Yeah. And how they was actually just looking and, and, and looking over. And, and they just had me dying laughing. We had to do it over uh, because I couldn't keep it in. And uh, because of the guys was just, you know, hilarious in that scene. But I had such a great time and I'm just so honored and thankful that I was, you know, they called me that I was able to do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. I encourage everyone, if you have, I guess, HBO Max or Amazon Prime, I think some of those episodes are up, go check mm-hmm. it out. It's on YouTube. You just type Muggsy Bogues, Kirby Enthusiasm. It's right there. Um, <laughs> the whole episode's insane in a good way, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's great. It's so great. It's so great. I'm so glad they got you to be involved with it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. No, it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you... He got the porn office. The heart holder? Yeah. Heart holder, the little AKG things. And I'm panicking. What the heck is. But yeah, that was funny. It was kind of out of the blue. Yeah. It was out of the blue. I love it. I love it. All right. Cool. Well, um, that's uh, that's the episode. I think that's episode six in the books. Mm. Uh, we're flying by here. Um, yeah. Six for six seed. Kind of works. Uh oh. There we go. It's, in, it's, in, it's written in the stars, you know? Well, I appreciate everyone uh, coming through and uh, checking out the episode. If you like what you hear, tell a friend, leave a rating on iTunes and all that stuff. But um, yeah, until next time, this is um, Sam for Muggsy. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Hornets podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Everybody, tune in. Come on. Check us out. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.